Welcome back, everybody, to, uh, is this episode four or three? Quattro, facciamo quattro. Quattro. Okay, this is episode four. Okay, everybody, I just want you to understand something, what this is about. This is about children that were orphans. And I think that when we realise that in that era, the rich were very rich. Is that not so, Dr. Lucy? Yeah. And the poor were very, very, very poor. There was no Centrelink. There was no welfare. There was nothing. And this was the Bourbon era where a lot of people and there was a lot of poverty and there was a lot of richness. But if you were born and you were one of the foundlings, what it was is that you had a stigma. You were given a name the names that Dr. Lucy said. So we'll just say in English like a Smith or a Jones. And you were identified and that was you for the rest of your life. You went through as a Smith and a Jones and you were labelled, stamped as an orphan, as a bastard. And you could not go further. No one would come with you or um, partner with you or do business with you because you were, that's what you were, you know, you were, you were just, your only way out was like a lot of people did, they migrated out. A lot of them came to Australia, a lot of them went to America, a lot of them went away, some stayed and made new lives, but the ones that were stayed in the towns, can you imagine being in a town, I'm just thinking about a town like Rosebud, a small little town like we are in Rosebud, and everyone knowing you and saying, no, don't go, don't go there because they're, they're, they're a bastard, they're illegitimate. You know, your whole entire life was patterned and you could not go further. Only by the grace of God through people who helped you if they had that heartfelt help. And these are these children. Dr. Lucy spent countless hours, years researching and finding this information for us today to utilise, to share with you about their experiences. So in other words, we all feel, Lena especially because her grandfather was one of them, we all feel like we're their voice. We all feel, uh, us three, we feel like they're spiritual mothers, you know, I felt like if I could have gotten them all and taken them in and looked after those children, you know, I would have. Um, so bear with us. Come into this with us. Understand what this is all about. I think, I think the other thing before we talk to Lucheria is that we need to understand the social structures at that time. Yeah. Um, and the different economic status of people that reside during that area. You had nobility. You, there was no middle class. It was yeah. either poor... Yeah. Or money. You either own land or you worked on land or you were inherited land. And there was no, um, you know, dummy. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk. A few little beans would grow into an, you know, to some semendela that could be body vidura or body, you know, broad beans, ifave. That's the different social structures that were in place. And people, um, the other thing also is, is there was no welfare system. And the foundlings in Sicily, we created a welfare system where there was, there was nobility. There was the, the mayor, 
And then there was somebody else, I've forgotten who the third person was. And we created that social structure in terms of the help services to assist that, because there was, you know, not just one or two, there were thousands and thousands of children. And I think the differences between the social structures and the difference between the poor and the, um, you know, people of nobility is that the people of nobility were able to, can I say the word fool? Can I say fool? Um, or take um, thinking that it was their time to earn or, um, you know, um, you know, take a woman can i say that yeah and get yeah. her pregnant yeah. there was no there was no system where you were able to abort the child you were taken away like those old movies yeah. and probably yeah. perhaps gone into the country given birth and then gave that child up but there was also as you said that social stigma attached to that it's like i'm about to give birth will i be able to who's going to look after me who's looking to look after my child and the emotional and mental health of that person and that woman that young woman um is astronomical it's far beyond my words or far beyond my words. can't even comprehend it no. can't, can't comprehend it no. but then again you've got the other side of it where you've got a husband and wife or a male and a female that are in relationships that do accidentally fall pregnant but there's no not enough food and they can't survive or support this child through even milk even providing nurturing milk because you can't go down to the local shops and buy milk you need to produce it and if you've got other health complications your mammary glands are not working. You and I know we've all, you know, our mammary glands aren't working. We can't produce that milk. So you're going to have this child that's, that's not well. You need to help that child. So what do you and your man or your partner do or your family do? You go and give that child up. Now, you give that child up not because you don't want the child and there will be people that will fall into that category. You give that child up because you're not able to provide this child with the future. And the future outlook for that child is perhaps another home. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Yeah, it is. And that's where Thank the you. comes from. Bread is gold. Yep. Where, um, I don't know about you, but my nonna, she never threw bread out. She always kissed the bread and put it away and used it for something. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, like, a story. Yeah. like you both said, there was this kind of stigma that was kind of for life. Uh, on the other hand, uh, anyone uh, who was abandoned, any child, I think it was a gesture of love. It was, a yeah, to give the opportunity to have a better life because of the poverty, which was uh, spread uh, amongst everyone, you know. Um, so thousands of these children abandoned then they were lucky if they survived. But even the, the ones with parents were lucky if they survived, you know? There were so many children born and uh, the poverty was so high that even uh, in legitimate families, you know, it was even uh, um, a gift to stay alive and okay. become an adult. I'll give you an example. My nonna, my maternal nonna, Angelina, yeah. Angelina Mazzola, she had 14 children. Three, 14 children, three survived, which is my aunties. They all came to Australia. And my uncle, which I never met, my mother never met, 
but yet when I'm out in the Italian community, I met some people that knew my uncle because my uncle died at eight. I think he was six or eight years old. And there's a photo of him passed away in a chair. And when you meet somebody in the community that says, I know the story of your uncle. And it's like, how do you know my uncle? Not even my mother knows my uncle. But these are stories when you've got 14 children, three survive, and then one dies because of some um, other disease. There were no money to pay for the, you know, medicines. And in those days, the women and the men didn't live a long life. No. What was their what was their age span? Fifties. That was it. My nonna, my nonna died at sixty-three, so that's probably the average at that age, I'd say. Yeah, so um, I remember uh, that's later on. Yeah, sixty-three. I remember yeah. my, my nonna when she came to Australia, and this was just after World War Two. She was in her mid-fifties, and she looked like an eighty-year-old. Yeah, and she'd yeah. had multiple miscarriages, a lot of a lot of stuff. What she went through, she was born in the same age as. 1899 she was born at that era where she went through the wars and the famine and the great depression the fascists the whole lot of stuff and then to come that's to a, a country yeah and to come to a that's country a lot on a body yeah physically, that's a lot on the body no wonder and to come to a country where it was open and it welcomed the migrants and they fa- and they all worked and they all lived in a house together and they all prospered and they all made money and they all celebrated all the time. That was the era that I grew up in. I mean, I grew up in richness, in wealth. Yeah. And then there's this woman, how can she relate to us? She couldn't even understand what we, how we grew up. She always used to say to me, I didn't know what she was going through, what she went through. But, but, yeah, but, but you've got the opposite side of that where... You've got, my, my nonna was a very simple nonna, very simple lady, I was being told. And my nonna, and I'll talk about their life together yes, later Yes, we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, but, she, but, but they lived through different eras and different, um, you know, situations based on where they were and their upbringing and also the the statuses. But we'll go on to the PowerPoint because I well, want to talk about that. Just to relate to the symbolism um, of love, you know? Yes. That these women or these people who left their children, uh, for sure they left to give this child um, a different life and, and the way to survive. Yes. And... Uh, the signal of this is related to what I'm going to show you. So these children were abandoned with signals. There was the, I'm sharing, sorry a moment. No. There were symbols like uh, left with the children in order to be able one day when they were able to come back and get the children back yes. to have the proof of recognition. So there was a kind of language of, uh, of abandonment mm. that can be half of a medal, half of a playing card, and then, uh, you know, half was left with the child, the other half was kept by the parents who abandoned in order to be able, when they were able to, come back and have this uh, proof of uh, identity 
that the parent was the one for that child. Yeah. Because all these symbols were recorded. So, for example, as you can see here, can be could be jury when there were children related to relationship between uh, a noble woman or man and uh, servant. There were anyway, even children left with uh, jewelry or holy images, cutting half, playing cards. What I could find for Messina, um, I think I showed you la last time. Well, for example, these little pockets yeah. and um, the image, uh, a message, an only image. Yes. Then, for example, other yes. signals that I could find in the records were, for example, the proof that this baby was Christian to avoid that uh, the baby was uh, again uh, baptized. For example, even the presence of the salt with the kid symbolized that that baby was baptized. Or, uh, for example, here, here it's weird that I could find um, that this uh, piece of paper written in English and this was left with a child in Messina. And it's uh, in English. In English? Uh, related to a boat, to something, uh, uh, for example, it says, uh, our charge for discharging coal. So for example, I think this was related to someone who came by boat to Messina. And for example, this, this is funny in a way because this girl, Carolina, was the name given by the parent, was found with un nastro giallo e verde al collo. So she had um, a string which was yellow and uh, green around yeah. her neck, and then nastro giallo al polso sinistro. And nastro verde al posto destro, and she was found on the 4th of July, 1882. Oh my God. Uh, so this was like the, um, the paper written with the girl, and this girl actually was found full of these ribbons um, um, in uh, her body. And she was... Uh, May I ask a question, um, Lucy? Yeah. With those signs and with that stuff, were they conservate and put away or were they kept with that person? Okay, so in this case, this um, little uh, paper ticket left with the girl was the evidence from the parent, okay? Then everything was recorded in the recording books. Yeah. As you can see here, uh, for example, this is what the people recorded about the children in the Perifotropy of Messina. They were given a number, like a reference number, on the day, for example, on the 5th of July, 1882, oh, that's the time yeah. when uh, the, ch uh, the child was found, 11 a.m., from the ruota, the ruota, the wheel, then uh, they recorded the, um, the clothes, and also the distinctivity, the signals found with the baby. As you can see here, La Ruotara, the directrice also in this case of the Brefotrofio, wrote down that this girl was full of ribbons, strings, 
of different colors oh. around her body. So that was the signals. So one day, if the, this girl was alive anyway, and the parents could come back, for sure would have said, on this day, I left this girl full of ribbons. So then looking, they could find the evidence that matched with the declaration of the parent in order to be able to give back the child to the parent. Does it make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay, in this case, this girl was two days old and uh, the health, uh, her health was good. And then given name, despite, can you see here, the parent wished for that girl to be named Carolina. Yeah. Carolina, can you see here? Yeah. yeah. That girl was then named Maria Lito. Maria. So they invented the name. And this Maria Lito, this girl, then was given to the wet nurse Giuseppa Miso, figlia di Andrea Miso. And uh, anyway, what was recorded in these um, books was also the wet nurse who was then going to, uh, to breastfeed this um, little girl, this um, uh, foundling. And where? Where was she living? In Mandanice, which is in Provincia di Messina. So uh, just uh, for you to see other signals I could find in the um, uh, books for Messina. Can you see? There yeah. was this. Um, it's like kind of uh, there was a cross. And also, and also, Dr. Lucy, lucky some of them could write. Oh, yes. there were other people writing for them. Ah, sometimes they most were of the priests. Most of them were, would have been illiterate. They wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we had midwives or priests writing for this girl. Look here, I found. This message left with the um, with the baby, and yeah. then also uh, some hair. Yeah. So the signal of this baby was that he was found with his uh, his no hair because it was it was a boy. It was a boy. So Turo. the, yeah, the hair of this, uh, of this boy was cut. So that was the signal in that case, uh, as well as the the kind of clothes he was wearing. So he was given then to Concetta de Maite. As you can see, there were also the names of the foster parents. And here, this is the patron saint of Messina. As I told you, symbols could be holy images cut in a half. Then one day, uh, the parents could come back showing the other half and matching, matching as a proof of identity. But in this case, we have that this baby, sorry, this baby died. Died. Uh, yeah. In, uh, oh, for Sifilide. This baby was five months old. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, five months old. Five months old and died um, of um, an illness which was very spread at that time. Uh, it was a syphilide. Do you know what, what's that? No. Um, it's a kind of illness uh, which um, 
was very, very spread at that time. And it was an illness which was caused by sexual relationships. Uh, uh, so, so it's, um, it's um, syphilis. Yes, syphilis. We so the baby... But I know anything about syphilis. <laughs> 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 no, that, that was the, the one. Yes. So kids, uh, for example, who were born from uh, sick um, parents, then uh, could uh, have this um, illness and then could die. That's another example of different medical conditions between nobility and the people that are just. Um, poor because I'm sure the people with nobility would have had some care and under, in a care attendance to them. No now I've never heard I've never heard of a that's why I didn't know whether it was syphilis or not. I've actually never heard of um, a, a child being in a passing away in death due to syphilis because syphilis is usually uh, an STI based on adults, uh, you know, people that are sexually active than having more than one partner and what have you. And I wasn't aware that you could actually transfer that um, over to a child. So that's, yeah. yeah and it was very, very spread also by breastfeeding children. If you were sick. Really? Yes. It's uh, in the documents I could find wow. the, they were paying attention to give these children to people who were not sick of uh, syphilis because it was very, very um, popular and uh, amongst the poor people. So even breastfeeding uh, as a um, person with syphilis, uh, a child, you could then um, transmit this to children. Yeah. The, interest, the, interesting thing, the interesting thing is, just to give you some contents, is that I, I, I did a lot of research on Henry VIII when I was younger because I was fascinated by this man who changed, you know, the Catholic religion in England to the Church of England and why he did that. And he died of, um, they say he died of gout, but actually Henry VIII died of syphilis. Wow. Yeah. For example, yes. here, here there is another example. This baby, uh, oh, I'll yes. show you. This baby was uh, here. There are two cases where the children were then came back with the parents. As you can see here, there was the recording of uh, everything related to the child. Uh, the signal was this image, but then, um, so if the child was found on the 4th of October, we can see that. Uh, um, Eight days after, il nominato Paolo Longo, yeah. vedo di Giovanna. So, uh, the dad of this child came back saying that he was a fisherman and uh, went to Brefodrocchio back declaring that uh, he gave uh, abandoned his child because his wife died for cholera. Yeah. And cholera, he was cholera, was obliged to uh, abandon um, to the will uh, his uh, son, Antonino, that in the Brefodrofio then was called Giorgio. So he asked his uh, child back in this case. Can I just go back? Sorry, Lucia, can I just go back? I've just looked at syphilis and it actually is correct. And I, I didn't know this, but um, a mother to baby by pregnancy or labour or nursing can pass on syphilis. And I wasn't even aware of that because it's not really a modern day, um, you know, STI, but I wasn't aware of that. So that's really interesting to, 
to know that? Yeah, many kids then could die because of this. Cholera, the time, syphilis. Mm. Look, this is another case. This is the image of Madonna del Sindari, the Los Ocento. Look at This is something rare to see. The image of Madonna del Sindari of the end of the 19th century, which I could find as a signal. A lot of that, that baby was born around that that vicinity. Yeah. Yes, it could be possible. And he was left with this signal. And Good as job. you can see here, we have then recorded that in nominato Giovanni Sarao. So his dad, no, it was like, it was a, a boy, a boy. A boy, a boy was left on the 15th of October, 1887, to the will of Messina found uh, with uh, some kind of clothing and this uh, image. But then as you can see, uh, he's dead, Giovanni Sarao, domiciliato in Castania, it's near Messina, di professione bracciante, so he was a farmer, si presentò il 24, so not so um, too much time after, dichiarando di aver passato alla ruota, so the, the, the father of this child abandoned the baby, dichiarando uh, that he left this child per amori illegitimi, illegitimi. Oh, yeah. it means because this boy was born out of wedlock. Yeah. Volendolo riconoscere, yeah. now then he wanted to recognize uh, as a um, proper um, child, he came back and uh, uh, showed a biglietto which listed the clothes um, where you know, the, the baby was found with certain clothes and so the father mm. said, I left this child. So look at, the, look, at the, look at the age. That was 1887 when the baby was left and he came on 1895. So the baby would have been about eight years old. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, yes, that's right. So he was... Um, he would have picked him up at eight years old. Yes. yes. And, and in the meantime... In the meantime, sorry, in the meantime, he was given to a foster family uh, and the wet nurse was Carmela anyway, living in Mandanici. And the parents came back after. Going back to the one, going back to the fishermen, cholera is a bacterial pandemic that was started in India that then spread throughout the world by bacteria growing in water. So obviously, the fisherman and his wife were out there um, catching fish and she died because of the bacteria she would have drank through the fresh water during that particular time. Cholera was, uh, you know, we are living coronavirus. Cholera was very spread at that time as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. It was a pandemic, yeah. Pandemic. So here, what happened to these kids? Uh, they were given a reference number, but also there was a kind of uh, institutional identification, which was called infiombatura. So the baby received a necklace um, fixed uh, in such a manner that it could be not removed, and it was made of a thick silk cord, and then the ends were joined with a lead, uh, lead medal, as you can see here. And one side of the medal had the symbol of the council or the Brepotrophio, the foundling hospital, on the other side, the identification number of the child. 
and this was um, a procedure to avoid fraud from the wet nurses. So, because these women from the countryside were uh, the ones breastfeeding these children who were available, and actually it was a kind of social phenomenon because these women uh, could earn money by doing this. Yeah. But sometimes what happened, there were frauds because if the child, for example, from the Brefotropio, was in care of this wet nurse died, in order to continue to receive money, these women can replace that child with their children. Oh. Does it make sense? So that was, that was the reason why there was this kind of identification, to avoid this the kind of frauds by the women from the countryside who were the wet nurses having uh, these um, foundlings in uh, foster care because it was very, very um, popular. So you, uh, have, so, so, you have, so you have another layer where you've got people of nobility having children with people of poor social economic status. You've got families where you, they've got poor social economic status. They're not able to provide for their family. Then you've got another area, which is somebody who is going to utilise the, the welfare system to supplement their income by creating yeah. a child to to breastfeed their own child, but really fraudulently creating a welfare system so they can support themselves. What are, that's something even beyond our world. Yeah, it is completely beyond that. The reason why, uh, you know, the, the, the people uh, of the Brefotropia didn't give the preferred names uh, to these children is to avoid also that parents left their children to have them back for foster care in order to earn money. So the, the fact that uh, they identify these people with other names is to avoid also this kind of uh, fraud. Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense, but it was... It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's unthinkable, but I understand it. It's unthinkable. Because of the poverty, desperation. So here you have the real medal, uh, which was given to the children of the Brefotropia of Messina. I could found this in a very old market by chance. Oh wow! So this was the this was the medal who actually, uh, which actually was given to someone in 1929 with the reference number. So as you can see, on a side there is the Brefotropio Provinciale di Messina, on the other side the year and the number, the reference number for that first so child. So each child was given one of those medallions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it was the institutional identification. Yeah. All right. So yeah. everyone had this. And I could find uh, a couple of them uh, in uh, old markets in Messina. So this is an example. So here, the last names, the last names were invented. But what happened was that at the very beginning, um, the earliest records for the foundlings of uh, Messina, of Sicily, anyway, also in, um, in the rest of Italy, were uh, related to the status of foundling. 
So it was very popular that uh, until 1827, we could have last names for these kids, uh, such as Proietti. Proietti was a uh, meaning cast off and was very popular in Sicily. Then we have Trovato Trovatello as well as a very popular last name for these foundlings. And in Messina was very popular anyway also. Abbandonata, uh, abandoned, esposto esposito. This was very popular, huge as a um, last name given to... There's a lot of very... Americans. There's a lot of Americans with the es espositos. You know where they come from? It's also from Spanish. Naples, it's also Spanish. But it's also, it's also yeah. a Spanish surname and a first name. It's uh, Esposito was given in uh, Campania, in Naples. There was a Brefodropio, Santa Maria dell'Annunziata, and all the babies uh, were abandoned there were given Esposito uh, until a certain point. Then I will tell you what happened. Okay. Innocenti uh, comes from, uh, so abandoned baby in Firenze. Dignoti was very popular as well. Incogniti, Colombo. Colombo was very popular and huge. Uh, in Milano, Milan, because the dove was the symbol of the Brefodropio of Milano. Okay. Della Scala was the foundling last name uh, for um, Siena, uh, foundlings from Siena. But what happened was that uh, because this was so um, uh, stigmatizing these children, like Carmela, you said, it was a stigma for life. Yeah. And if you had a last name, reminding this kind of status was even uh, bad, bad for these poor kids. So the uh, law um, established that the foundlings had to have an invented last name. So what happened for uh, Sicily is that, uh, for example, as you can see here in the records of the children, I could find that uh, they were given last name like Corbino, Blind, Guasto, Milingiana. Milingiana was, uh, is uh, eggplant in Sicilian. Vinagra, bitter wines, Dio, D'Angelo, Del Popolo, Di Giugno. These are just examples of invented last names. Um, some of them were um, even uh, bad sometimes, um, according to the health state of the child. Like I could find also as a last name, Morente, like dying because that baby was in a bad condition. Oh, okay. Anyway, you can see that uh, uh, there was this kind of identification and then uh, the wet nurses according to the law had to be healthy, honest women, uh, uh, having good milk, di buon latte, with good milk. They had to be married, maritate, um, so for example, they, they had to be able to breastfeed. So they have, uh, uh, sometimes they had dead children, so had the still uh, milk. milk. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, these women came from the countryside. They were farmers. Can we stop here and go? And we'll go to the next, the next one there. Um, wow, Lena, do you want to say something? Um, 
I think these stories are important stories to be told. And um, I can't think, whilst you're telling us these stories, I'm thinking of the people that have gone before us and the people that were ostracised, the mothers that gave up their children, the mothers that gave birth to their own child, but they had to provide milk and to survive to another child. I think about the poverty. I think about the mother giving up the child to create a better life for themselves. And I just can't think of what they're thinking in their mind and how desperate they must be. And I don't know, Lucia, you're the voice of these people. Um, I, I can't say anything more about thank you for sharing your story you and they thank you for sharing them. And um, we're not talking about a small handful of people. We're talking about thousands and thousands and we're only focusing on Sicily, but there's so many layers to the hurt and so many layers to the secrets and the, and the stress and the anxiety and the mental health, the poverty I just can't think of that world because I'm not used to that world, but these are stories that need to be told. So I know we're running out of time, yeah. but um, I want to say something about my grandfather later. Anyway. We'll go to the next one. All right. Thank you, Dr. Lucy. Thank you for Grazie, that. Bella. Listen to our next episode, guys. We're so grateful that you could come on board and listen to this and uh, we could share this journey and the stories of the past with you. We'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode.